Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV and radio presenter, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. So this has been a long time coming, so I'm super excited to sit down with a media mogul from interviewing international artists to helping build the careers of some of the UK's biggest and finest talent. My next guest is the definition of a superwoman. With a passion for PR and an encyclopedia of knowledge on the grime scene, she has carved her name in the British music industry and the history books as a journalist, A&R, record label owner, mentor, program leader, DJ, presenter and author alongside her son Elijah. She's worked with all of the biggest publications like Fader, ID Magazine, Red Bull, Noisy and Broadcasters, Vivo, Channel 4, the BBC and more. I'm out of breath because she's killing it. And I'm super excited to be joined by my beautiful friend, Cyan Anderson. Jeez, I like that boy. That was like a, this is your life. <laughs> yes, that's right. This is what we do on the mainstream. I have to say, Cyan, welcome to the mainstream. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's been a long time coming, isn't it? Long time, long time. I mean, you've always been someone that I've absolutely admired because just the way you work, you get it done. Get the job done always get it done and i i think uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i think we first met 2011 2012 we were both at i love live and mm-hmm. it was like the must attend event in the uk mm-hmm. and you was part of the, the the kind of curation team i was on the promo team and you were definitely known as the go-to girl the gr- grime gatekeeper <laughs> is what i'm gonna call it because you had all the hookups. And I just remember just being introduced to you and being said that, okay, Cyan's coming on board to make sure we get the right acts. And that was a big, big thing at the moment. We had to get right. Mm. I Love Live was where we see all the good artists, the breakthrough artists. So let's talk about that. You was only a 20-something as well at this point. Do you know what? That's so mad. I don't even know if I was in my 20s yet <gasps> at that point. Oh, shoot. I don't know if I was even in my 20s yet. I was probably like 19. Maybe I was like 19. Yeah. Ooh, now that I said it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I was even in my 20s yet. It's so funny when people talk about the stuff that I did when I was a teenager because I never consciously did anything. Like, I just, it was like, oh, you know all the grime MCs and, like, you know the cool acts. Like, do you want to come and book them for I Love Live? And it's like, yeah, like, why not? Because in my mind, I can't wait to see my favourite grime artists come yeah. and perform with a band. So it's just a fair exchange, isn't it? Like, I get to watch them perform with a band. You get them performing with a band. Like, hey, yeah. everyone's happy. So when people talk about that, like, these days, I'm like... That was, it was never in my mind, this was my job. Like, oh. you'd put it as your email signature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the way to obviously let people know that you was official in what you was doing. Yeah. But I, I never really consciously knew, like, this is what I'm doing. That's so weird because I was literally introduced to you as like, yeah, this is, this is Cyan. You need to know her. She's a need to know person. And it just feels like it, it was kind of clearly marked in the industry as like yes cyan make sure she's a part of your team that's really important which i think is amazing so let's talk about your love for music um was your entry live magazine yes ah yes i love that let's talk about that so tell us about live magazine and how that happened so my friend mervyn used to not say a word like he'd say nothing right okay. and there was this house in Lewisham that we'd always go to and would always chill so he was a friend of a friend and he used to come in and he always used to sleep and he never used to speak and then one day he was like oh yeah I'm going and everyone was like where like you're, you're never anywhere except for here he was like yeah this place called Live Magazine I'm going to interview Trey Songs I was like what I want to interview Trey Songs yes and then he was like yeah man there's just this place you go down to you just meet this woman Chantal Fiddy and she'll just like let you interview celebrities so I was like 
what? I want to be a celebrity interviewer. He was like, yeah, just come there one day. Obviously, I had school. So right. I was like, I'm not going there. Like, And then after Trey Songs, like, he interviewed somebody else and he'd done it again. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going. And we was like, where are you going again? Yeah, I'm going to that place again. So I just started getting really intrigued by like, where was Mervyn going? And he just, he was never giving me the full info. He was like, yeah, just, just go there. It's in Brixton. Just go there. It's, what? It's a place called Liberty. Just go there and you just interview celebrities. So I was like, one day you're taking me. Yeah. So one day... He brought me down there. I walked in there. And this is when I was in my rude girl phase, yeah. So I was wearing like my tracksuit. I had like, you know when girls used to slick the front of their hair with okay. a gel and they used to have a bun and then their bun used to be like frizzy, like oh, a peacock. Good time. And they used to put like gems around the slick at the front of your hair. Yes. yes. I've never had the techers for all of that, but oh, yes, I remember. I had, the, I had all the techers. I used to stay at home and practice. I had a gem on my tooth as well. <laughs> I love it. And I, I had all it. the chaps. They used to call them chaps <laughs> oh, <laughs> around my neck and my wrist. I remember so clearly the day I went to Life magazine and um Mervyn was like, Yeah, there she is, that's Chantal Fiddy. And I was like, Well, go on. Like, wow. and then it just went from there. Like, she was like, What are you interested in? Like, what do you do? I was like, I can write, like, um, that's what I'm interested in. I can write, I want to be a celebrity interviewer. And she was like, You you mean you want to be a journalist? I'm like, No, a celebrity interviewer. She's like, You're so a journalist. <laughs> like, you know, we was going back and forth for a minute. Like, yeah. I was like, I just want to do what he does. She was like, Cool. And then like before you knew it, I was interviewing Soldier Boy, I was interviewing Mims, she took me to this like focus group with Kano, she took me to like my first Skepta gig, like before you, I knew it, I was in all these places and I didn't again consciously know what all of that was creating and what all of it was building towards. Yeah. At the time it was just like, Merv goes here, he's told me to come here, I've come here, met this girl, she's blessed, like she's patterned with all these people that my friends told me are on Channel U, I didn't have Channel U, I never had Sky growing up, me but I, I, I know all these people because yeah, my brother listens to Pirate Radio and everyone's told me that these are the guys and so now I'm in front of the guys wow. and it just went from there. That's crazy because like, did you know you could write then? I knew I could write. What made you, What uh, not in a rude way, but what made you think you could write? I was always good at storytelling. Like at oh. school, I was the one I would write. Like, um, see me, my memory was sick and my writing ability was sick. Really? So these were the times when I was in school, it was like Keisha, the sketch times. Yes. So I would read that and think, I can do this. Like, and I used to just write and write and write and write and write. And I'd entered like a competition as a young writer from a really, really early age. Like I had published a book by the time I was like 12 or something, like wow. with the school. And I knew that that was my thing. I could make up stories for days. I used to read like crazy. My mom used to take us to Portugal about six times a year because um, her partner, her then partner had a house out there. And so I used to just read and read and read like books that was like adult books as well. Like when I say to my mom now, like, why did she let me read Flowers in the Attic? Like <laughs> some book about like some girl and boy yeah, who are brother and sister and they get locked in the attic with their ki like siblings yeah. and they start sleeping with each other. Oh God. was like, why was I reading that when I was like 12? I mean, you're just learning about life, isn't it? You know, like I'm bare confused. Like. So I used to read bare and then I was proper into reading and writing and like my school days was that. Like I used to just go to school, I used to get really, really high and then I used to memorise what was in the books and what the teachers were telling me and then on exam day I used to just like regurgitate all back onto the page and wow. I would I'd just get cut through school having a good memory and being really good at writing. That's amazing. So I just knew that's something I could do. That's sick. So, okay. You knew that you was good at writing. So did you ever think that would be a part of your life and your career? No. So I remember the day that we was told to go into, like we had a sixth form and the sixth form was the same as my secondary school. Yeah. And we was told to go into the sixth form room and fill out our UCAS forms. Yeah. So everyone's gone into this room. I'm super high. Gone into this room. No, Sarah, why are you always high? <laughs> I was so high at school. 
<laughs> I was so high every day. I went to this room, I sat at the computer, then it, the UCAS login page, and I was just like, I don't know my login. <gasps> I was like, what's my login? Then I'm looking around to everyone, I'm like, what's what's the login? They're like, you got you would have got your login. I'm like, I don't have a login. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, I didn't have a clue what UCAS was. Oh <laughs> I did my. not have a clue. So everyone's logging onto this UCAS, doing their thing. I'm sat there. Just like this whole period is dedicated to us going on UCAS yeah. and filling out these UCAS forms. I don't have a UCAS login. Like, I'm dipping. So I dipped. <laughs> so wait, hold on. You're telling me the only reason this girl's not at like Cambridge <laughs> Uni or Oxford is because you couldn't remember your UCAS? Yeah. I didn't, but I swear to you, yeah, I do not remember ever getting a UCAS login. I don't remember. Check your and spam, Cyan. I don't ever remember anyone sitting me down saying, this is what UCAS is. And at some point you're going to go and fill out this application to go uni. I just... I genuinely don't remember. Maybe because I was high all the time, but I genuinely don't remember that conversation happening. I think that might, what you just said might be part of it. But I do get you. I, I do feel like sometimes people assume mm-hmm. we know the next steps. Yeah. And yeah, it's very important that have a clue. young people are actually supported because like I said, you could have been... <laughs> Mate, I didn't have a clue. And do you know what the thing is? Yeah, When I then like, I guess with a sober mind, yeah. thought about it and I did like my own research, spoke to my friends and whatever... Like, cool, you lot are doing this UCAS thing. Like, I've got some sensible friends who I was like, right, so break it down to me. Like, what are we saying? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you like you pick a one subject and then you're going to go out of ends to Leicester or Coventry or Fair. like, you know, out of the area, out of South London. And you're going to live in one of these areas and you're going to study this one subject for like four years and then get a master's in it. And I was like, you know what? I'm all right, you know. Really? <laughs> I'm blessed. Like, what, you want me to go and spend this many years studying one subject away from my mum, away from my home, away Aww. from my friends, away from everything that I know? I was like, I'm all right. When you put it like that. Yeah, when I put it like that, I didn't even want to know the login. I was like, I'm all right. Like, Because <laughs> they, they generals you. They get you to go to school where you're learning all the subjects. Yeah. Then you go to secondary school. Where it kind of they break it down into like you know they slimline it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Then you go to college where it's like really slimlined. Yeah. You probably got like four key subjects in it, and then you got the the ones that you have to learn. Yeah. Now you want me to pick one. Yeah. No, I'm not picking one. I like too many things. I'm not picking one. How can you make me pick one? And then you want me to spend this amount of years doing it? No, I'm alright. Fair enough. I'm alright. I mean that it sounded like you made it work regardless because Live Magazine. I mean, I remember picking up Live Magazine and being like, this is sick because mm. it was very FUBU for us, yeah, by yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what everyone was gassed about. Like, like, Rah, what these young people got to interview people yeah. and you was literally living the dream. So like, how did that transition into more of, of, of like, you know, journalism? Did you from there decide to look into other platforms or were they, were they guiding you even? Yes. Yeah, so Chantel was like, super key super okay. key in my career and the people that Chantal introduced me to like Hattie Collins as well yeah um they were super key in my journey and just hanging out with them and like just getting to know them and their world and just understanding what it all meant yeah was super key like without that I would not be here today at all so yeah like I wrote an article um one time I was getting on Chantel's nerves and she was like just do something like right about what you know like right about girl gangs and I was like cool so I wrote an article about girl gangs and then we put it in live magazine and then the South, she called me one day and said, oh, the South London Press want to publish the piece that you put in Live magazine. Wow. And the South London Press is a big deal. It's like, that's yes. the, the newspaper on ends. So I was like, cool. So anyway, a couple of months later, the, mag- the newspaper South London Press came out and they used um, headlines, taglines and pull quotes. <gasps> but I hadn't written these things. So, Aww. for example... They said, oh, the girls, like I was talking about girl gangs and they said, oh, the girls gangs in Peckham can be identified by the pink ribbons in their <gasps> hair that's as, a, so, as like a tagline. That's so bad. But like it was like a 
you know yeah you see that heavily <laughs> like you know like and they put pictures and all these things like to you know oh so i was gosh. like oh my god i just got my name on it and everything yeah. yeah so it was it was mad like f- some of the stuff that they wrote in there got me in big trouble because really? it, it just sounded like i was just big snitching yeah and I had to relocate. First of all, mom took me to Portugal because I was literally... Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My MSM was mad. Like, people were saying a madness to me. Oh so my mom no. took me out of the country, took me to Portugal for a bit. And then um, Chantel was like, oh, the London paper are really interested in the fact that after you've done this article, all of these negative things have happened to you since. Yeah. So... They want to write a follow-up. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like, 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 but, like, so that's how, like things happen like one thing will just lead to another which will lead to another which will lead to another and then before you knew it like i said the email signature was like published in south london press the london paper this and then they had lots of people in their unit by they i mean chantel and hattie was hattie was the editor of rewind magazine at the time so rewind was like yeah come and write for us so i was writing for rewind regularly and then um we we started an organization at christian aid called control shift so we interview people <clears throat> but the point of it was to try and get money from people without like putting buckets under their faces. Right. So it was like different ways to get people to get to the website. So I remember interviewing Mr. Jam, but the day before I had an argument with, um, do you remember Little Donatella? Yeah. So I had an argument with Little Donatella on Twitter and um, it blew up at the time. Oh my God. This is like the early days of Twitter. Yeah. So when I, feel I, like inter- I remember this. Yeah, you probably, probably. I, f- I, I know that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're cool now. We won't go it was, into it. it, was it, like, yeah, it was yeah. So the next day I've called Mr. Jam to do an interview. And obviously he's on the BBC. He's Mr. Jam. Yeah. So the BBC have connected the call. And um, he's, they've said, oh, we're going to start recording. He's like, don't record yet. So then he, he said, I want to speak to her first. So he said to me, listen, I'm, a, I'm aware of you. I've been aware of you for a while. I was even more so aware of you yesterday when you had your <laughs> argument. And I just want you to know that not everybody is going to feel about it how I felt about it. And some people are going to look at it and decide that you're somebody that they do not want to work with. Somebody wow. that is hostile, aggressive. They're going to throw all these words and all these terms at you. And, I, you know, I want you to take that down. And I was like, I'm not going to take it down. Wait, he wanted you to take the Twitter down? He wanted me to take the tweets down. Wow. And I was like... I've never taken tweets down in my life. Like I stand by everything I said to that girl yesterday. Like I yeah. don't care, like keeping it up. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm not blindly telling you to take it down. I have an opportunity for you. Oh. But within this opportunity, I would not want anyone to come and f- see your page and find that on it. Right. So he was like, if you take those tweets down, I will give you a paid job at mrjam.com running my website. What? So I was like, oh my God, he's got 50,000 followers on Twitter. Like <laughs> this is Mr. Jam from the BBC. Like, oh my God. Listen, by the end of the call, the tweets were gone. <laughs> they no were what? gone. I hear you. Do you get it? Gone. I so different that. opportunities would lead to me speaking to different people yeah. who would then give me more opportunities. And as long as I kind of acted accordingly and delivered, like it was, it just become easy wow. for me to get, for me to get this work. Yeah. Um, and then that obviously then I ended up moving into PR off of the back of that again, completely accidentally. That's crazy. Completely. I mean, it sounds like your reputation and like, you know, good, good people around you, like, you know, taking you under their wing, mentoring you, supporting you. That's really important. Yeah. I think that's definitely clearly a testament to what you're doing now as well, because, like, you know, having good people around you is so important. But um, when did DJing get involved? Oh, that was far after. So, uh, yeah, after. So I had my blog um whilst i was at live magazine and then 
started doing PR um, during the PR phase was also the I Love Life phase. So that phase was a, we need to get Cyan Anderson in. We don't know what she actually does, but okay. we need to get her in. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my time was spent just having lunches with people who were just curious because we've heard your name. Yeah. We're not entirely sure what you do, um, but we've, we've been told to get you in. Right. That was a lot of it. So I would then be like, oh, I've written this article and I'll do PR for this person and I'll do the bookings for I Love Live and yeah. I'm at Control at Shift, this Christian Aid initiative and th- I'll have this blog and I tweet and this is what I do. Yeah. But there was never like a, a name for it. And then I thought, you know what? I need to start a company mm. where there's different sections so you know what services I can bring to you because yeah. I can't keep having meetings telling you what I do like this this is crazy I'm just me <laughs> it's not just me I like, just get getting by um so I started the, the company sidetracked love it I love um, that name to this day I still love that name do you know what's so funny about it so when because of the blogging that's when I got me uh, so me and Julia Zanuga it's my best friend we was hanging out one day she was like we should get Sean Rince and I was like yeah cool not really understanding the cultural relevance of Rince or yeah. you know why it was a big deal she was like let's do it so we took her brother um put took Jamie's um camera and we took um her laptop and we took these pictures of ourselves and like yeah. we, we did this whole like revamp of our blog spots and like we took out her laptop and we recorded a demo on GarageBand Mad. and then she edited the, the music in and then we sent it to like, there was this email address, I think it was called like nonstop at rinsefm.com. Yeah. We just sent it to this generic email address and no one ever replied. Oh. And then a couple of months later, we got an email from Rinse saying, oh, we want Silent Jude to come in and do the breakfast show with Scratch a DVA. What? So we was like, did they hear our demo? Yeah. Or did they just hear about us? We don't know to this day. Oh, no, we, we need to find out. We don't know to this day. <laughs> but we went in, we did the breakfast show with Scratcher and then they liked us and they was like, come and do some more radio. But we were just like bloggers yeah. who Rinse wanted to come and blog, but verbally yes yeah, yeah through yeah. the mic tell so, us what's hot what's out there literally i just need to shout out blogspot because yeah. that puts on so, so many. many i had a blogspot yeah. to this day it's still on it's still live yeah. it's just still like no i took mine down <laughs> Do you know why i took mine down because yeah. people was just like plagiarizing my work <gasps> people really? were just taking moments and then like just regurgitating it for the guardian oh, and that's for rude. the independent and for other newspapers and i thought no yeah, that's rude. I had this conversation with Hyperfrank as well the other day because we was doing an interview, um, but like a, a joint one on Zoom, and she said, "Oh, I took my blog down because of this," and I thought, "Oh my god, so did I." That's why I took mine down too. That's okay. No one was trying to copy my stuff. Because you know, like when it's grime, <laughs> it's like if you wasn't there, yes, yeah, true. If you wasn't there, so if you're coming in now and you're trying to act like, yeah, I know about grime, yeah. the only way to know is by Prance or Hyperfrank, Chantal Philly, Sand Anderson. There's certain blogs that you go on that have all the information about what was going on at that time. Hattie Collins, like the certain you know Dan um, Cox like there's certain people yep. you know those people was talking about Graham yeah. so they would just lift stuff and then write articles and get paid for it I said no blogging was such a thing yeah I, like it's funny you say that as well because like it was if you were there or if you weren't there you'd have to refer to the blogs mm-hmm. or there weren't you know we didn't have not just to make us sound old but we didn't have like loads of YouTube channels out there we, we didn't, didn't have like you know Instagram reels and all this stuff we all this stuff like if you weren't there you weren't there remember when I started at Live Magazine the people that I started along- alongside Jamal Edwards yeah. SBTV um, Posty GRM Daily Rashid yeah. Linkup TV yeah. like that even was, Jackie 0207 yeah oh yeah. my gosh yeah this, this was all that was all the live magazine yeah. you know year year of of Cyan Anderson that was all there 
creating our brands. Like those things didn't exist before. We had to rely on blog spots. Damn. <laughs> We're old. It was a very different time and it just goes to show like you had to be hungry. Yes. You had to have drive mm-hmm. if you wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, you lot just got garage band out mm. and made a demo. Yeah. Um but let's talk about how 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 did the the beautiful friendship that is you and Julie Adenuga come about? Because I think, you know, the fact that you guys just decided you want to be a duo, there were no female duos out there. That's not a thing. So wh- where did you lot get this 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 idea from and all that good stuff we never were female duo (laughs) i've never heard anyone say that it's so funny no No, we were we were but we never consciously were a female duo we were never a duo if you said that you should be on the floor in stitches like we didn't ever consciously do anything we both was at life magazine and it was oh i like her oh i like her too okay and then we just would roll from right, there. right. So we just roll, and we just found so much common ground. Yeah. Like you know, I really liked writing. Julie like knew how to do like HTML and MySpace, so she taught me that. She knew how to do photography. Like I was learning how to use Photoshop at Live Magazine. Like we between us could handle anything anyone needed. Yeah. So we just had a lot of common ground in the music that we listened to, the kind of nightlife that we liked to go to, just our attitudes. Like we just had like very similar kind of views and then i mean as we started to progress through and navigate through the industry our views started changing just in terms of like what we wanted to do and where our careers were at and what we saw right for us there were some things that we both knew this is definitely not for us but there's some things that maybe i wanted to explore that she didn't or something she wanted to explore that i didn't like i remember at one point she wanted to go back to uni and i was like "Mm, what is this and then there was points (laughs) where i was like should we should we go and have a look at the bbc and she's like no like and so there was points where we both obviously had our own things that we wanted to do but we just ended up getting loads of work together in the early days yeah 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 definitely definitely okay going back to the djing part because we didn't i just realized we did not yeah so when i was on air yes doing a rinse show i used to try and press play on two tunes at the same time to see if they'd mix but like sir spyro elijah and skilliam like they used to lock into our show so they would text in and tell me what to do to get the mix to lock are you serious yeah yeah yeah. so they'd be like really move the fader up and then try it again move the fader up to this point and then try it again and then they'll be like right now move the wall to the left like slowly slowly until it locks like so it it became not a feature of the show but it was a part of the show where i'd always try and do that and then they'd text in and quickly tell me how to sort it out and then i love that yeah then one day i was like oh my god i'm mixing like he's mixing (laughs) and then i was doing pr for dj swerve at the time and then he was like, I tell you what, I'll give you my old decks in exchange for PR. <gasps> so I was like, let's do it. That's huge. So he gave me his vinyls and then he taught me how to use the vinyls and plug it in and everything. And I was like, great, I have vinyl. And then I was like, this is a lot like yeah. to take in. Um, and then one day Spyro was like, just get Serato. Like, what are you doing carrying all this stuff around? Just put it all on your laptop. <laughs> and I was like, what's Serato? And he was like, I'm going to come around and do this for you. So Spyro came with a Serato box wow. and showed me how to use Serato. And then I was like, great. Downloaded it all onto my laptop, had all the software, put all the tunes onto my laptop. And then boom, Serato. And then I just, it was really easy to kind of learn um, wow. on, on Serato because I'd already learned on vinyl and then on CDs. But Serato was just like, wow, I don't have to carry all of this around with me. I just yeah. need to bring my laptop. And um, then I went and did my first booking at Fabric. What? How was your first booking at one of the most iconic? Like an idiot. (laughs) Like an idiot. How did that go, Cyan? I mean, 
let's just say so remember rinse fm had the um nights at fabric all time yeah so i was just by default booked for one of those and i remember seeing the posters at finsbury park that said cyan anderson on it on the big big blue rinse fm poster it was amazing and um yeah i was like yeah cool of course i'll play and i used to practice sets at home yeah so i was like i've got a set ready like i can come and do this set i've yeah. practiced this set so many times it's nothing go to fabric dj it. oh my gosh the sound in fabric was not like the sounds coming out of my speakers at home. I could hear every single drum, kick, snare, like everything through those fabric speakers. And I literally, I thought, this is horrible. This is absolutely awful. I am a mess. I cannot DJ. This sounds terrible. Never again. Like, and because everybody knew it was my first DJ set, they'd all come out to like see it. And like, but there was all rooting for me in it. Okay, I was going to say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, there was all rooting for me. Like, there was all rooting for me. There was no like, back in the day, it was just all love in it. Like, everyone's just like, oh my God, this is so funny. She had to mix on the air, that's just fabric. Like, yeah, let's go, (laughs) turn out, whatever. So, and everyone knew the songs anyway. Yeah. Everyone knew the songs. So they didn't really care. Like, and the thing is, the mixes weren't clanging, as in, I can lock the mix, right. but then the beats were not complementing each other. I see. They were not complementing each other at all. I see. And I think my only technique was like to fade it down or wheel it off. So I'd get no, the mix. We, we love a wheel, though. <laughs> Just not, not every song. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's how the, the how the DJ, and then after Fabric, I was like, right, I need to go and play in every single club in London so that I know how my DJ sets sound yeah. like in real life, not in my bedroom. So that practice hours just went crazy from there. Well, just to just to confirm, I mean, I'm sure everyone agrees, but yeah, Cyan knows how to shell down the rave. <laughs> so that first one was just a little, you know, tester, yeah, tester. tester. <laughs> That's what he did. That's what he did. I love that. Okay, so you learn how to DJ. Mm-hmm. You guys are, are, are not a duo, but you're doing your thing yeah. on <laughs> on Rinse FM. At that point. Did you start to think, hmm, maybe this could be a career? Because like, I feel like as we're going along, you're picking up more and more skills, mm-hmm. but nothing's been decided other than the fact that sidetracked is the world and we can do it all. So yeah. at this point, did you think maybe presenting is the thing? No. <laughs> Why? No, I was just having fun with my friends. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I've ever been doing. Wow. I was just having fun with my friends. I, I No. I remember we went to the BBC one time. Shout out Emma Stevens. She was like, come to the BBC, do a demo. So I've convinced Julie, like, come on, like, let's go. We went there. As soon as it was an old building, as soon as we w- went up in the lift and the doors opened, we just looked at each other and we both knew this ain't it, champ. What? We are not doing this. It was so corporate. And we were okay. just like, yeah, no, 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 no. All these desks, all this office environment, like, we're, we're not doing this. Like, no. So we went and did the demo. I still got it on my laptop. It's quite funny. Oh, wow. Um, went and did the demo, but we both knew we're not doing this. Yeah. And then I think Julie wanted to do something else. I can't remember what she wanted to do, um, but she wanted her own show. Right, right, right. But I also wanted my own show. Okay. Sp- like specifically Grime. So wait, you didn't want to, you didn't see presenting in the horizon, but you still wanted to have a show. Yeah, so we was on Rinse FM at the time. Yeah. And we loved what we do, but we never saw it as we're presenters. Oh. We just saw it as we just go rinse every Sunday, 11 to 1, and crack joke. We just bust joke. But I'll, then after I'll we went be... to the BBC, we was like, do you know what? We should, do you get it? We, we, we're getting called to the BBC because we do this. Right. We should do this proper. Okay, so it opened up your mind to the possibility of it being a job that you could do. Maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I wouldn't say job, because remember, you were still paying subs on rinse. We were paying you were like, to we're be on rinse. You were still paying subs? Yeah, we were paying £60 oh, It a wasn't month. community radio then, was no, it? No, it wasn't. Dang, oh, see? It wasn't. We were paying to be there. So it didn't feel like a job. It was just like a hobby that we want to do. But Okay, BBC are recognising it, and they want us to come in and do demos, but right. it, 
it wasn't I didn't think of myself as a broadcaster at all. I didn't oh. even think of myself as a presenter. It was just me and Julie busting joke. And then when we when we split shows, yeah, we then got producers. Before we only had like a like a producer kind of like we had someone who we didn't really take that seriously. Okay, fair. But then it was like okay, no, this is serious. And then it, Rince got their license. And oh. you couldn't have any swear words. You couldn't yeah. do this. You couldn't do that. And there was lots of compliance. And that's when I started to think, so how is this any different from the BBC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then something happened. Um, one day I had this epiphany. And it was something to do with, I can't remember like fully what it is, but I remember thinking about Maximum and Spyro and thinking, you guys have been on radio for about 10 years. Mm. Maximum, Boy Better Knows DJ, Spyro, um, Teacher Strider's DJ. Mm. And I thought, is this what you're going to be? Are you going to be here for 10 years and be P Money's DJ? Right. That was what I remember thinking. Right. Do you want to do that? Is that what you want to do? And I couldn't say yes or no. Right. So it's almost like the what don't you want to do mm -hmm. was actually at the forefront of your mind of what you do want to do. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. I was like, do you want to do that? And I just couldn't work it out because... There was nothing wrong with where Maximum and Spyro were at. Of course, yeah. Are they, they're my icons, my life legends. Yeah. I was like, do I, is that what I want for me? Yeah. And I couldn't go, yes, if you are Maximum or Sir Spyro, you are going to feel like you smashed it. Mm. And I couldn't go, no, you're going to feel like you didn't smash it. I yeah. couldn't work it out. And I said, you know what's happened here? Complacency. You're just out here doing everything and anything. And you're just having a wait of a time. But actually, at some point, you're going to have to do something and you're going to have to make a decision on something that didn't just float by. So I quit rinse. Oof. Just mm. like that? Just like that. Was it really just like that? Just like that. Gosh. I was like, gee, I'm getting complacent. I called Genius. I said, I'm getting complacent. I need to hop off the radio. What did he say? He was like, all right. <laughs> but like, that's my guy. Like, gee is like my guy. Like, it's so my guy. When I say that's my guy, I mean like, I love that guy to pieces. He loves me to pieces. Like, that's my guy. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel like it was final like that. Like, Rince is a family. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, I, I can tell. say I'm leaving Rince Radio now. And if I called Rince tomorrow and said I'm coming back on radio, they'd probably put me back on the radio. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. that's family. Yeah. So it didn't feel as dramatic as how it would now. Yeah. But I was just like, yeah, gee, da, 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 whatever. They bought me flowers on my last day. It was cute. Um, <laughs> But I was like, gee, like, I'm complacent, mate. I need to need to get off here. And he was like, cool. Wow. And then I, I came off. And then I, I remember everyone going, oh, she's going to go to the BBC. She's going to the I BBC. I can't lie. <laughs> I was definitely part of those people that were like, she's definitely going one extra. She's going, she's going. Everyone thought it. Everyone thought it. And then they called. Yeah. They did call. And they asked me to do some some demos. And I was like, cool, like, let me let me do the demos. Um, And um, they were being very secretive about everything. There was like, there's one show. We can't tell you what slot it is. Yeah. We can't tell you who else is going up for it. But you're going through the rounds of, de of demos. So I was going through these rounds. And then it got to the end. And the guy called me. And he was like, basically, it was between you and Diplo. And Diplo got the show. What? So I was like, Diplo? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for it to have ever been between me and Diplo, I must be nang. Like, I actually must be sick. Like, Diplo, are you mad? So that gave me a mad confidence boost. I was like, what? I must be nang. I must be so sick. So that gave me a big confidence boost. I didn't do anything with the confidence boost. It just oh. gave me one. I mean, if it, if it makes you feel good, that's all that matters. It makes me feel so good. I love that. And then I just cracked on with my life. And then... um. They called me again and they said, we've got this thing called Extra Talent mm -hmm. where you go and do, um, I think you take over a Wednesday, I think it was. There you were do different an hour ones. show yeah. once a month. Yeah. I think that was the Because I did the Monday one. Did you do one? I did one, yeah. And I remember thinking, the last person that had done it, I think was Etta Bond. 
Right. And I remember thinking, this is not for me. I'm not an artist. This, this is not for me. Oh. So I said, no. And then I was oh. like, do you know what? If you want to put me on air, put me on air. Yeah. Like, just put me on air. Like, give me a show and put me on air. Because it felt like at that point, well, I've been here bare times. Yeah. Been here bare times. Even the first time I went to the BBC really was with DJ Cameo. So, oh, um, wow. Who was it? Uh, New Brand Flex brought me to DJ Cameo's show, Darky Freaker, and was like, Cameo wants someone to do grime news on his show. Okay. And I went there and it was just a mess. Like, there was bare man everywhere. The, the producers was running around. Da, da, da. It was in a different building as well. And it was just like, what is this? And I was like, I don't know. This No, sorry. Yeah. And I just ran away. <laughs> and I just, it was like, but like, I feel like I've had bare experiences with the BBC. Right. And like, none of them are, none of them are sticking. This just feels very non-committal. Like, give me something or, like, just leave me alone a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, in the end, we went back and forth. And then they were like, cool, if you do 10 desk training sessions, oh. then we'll see, like, you know, we'll see if we can get you but in But didn't there. Rinse have, like, the same standard? No. Oh. Very different. I think Rinse's ones are the same as Capital Extras. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because I'm like, yeah. I'm sure I've seen the Rinse desk and it looks pretty similar. But... Capital Extra. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And... So, that, but that, yes. Yeah, I know I know the Beeb take the desk training very seriously. Yes. Like if you can't drive the desk while you're here. Literally, <laughs> literally. So I did I did the 10 desk training sessions. And at the end of the sessions, they called me up um, and was like, yeah, we've got a show for you. Jeez. So I did my Wednesday night show, 10 to 1. And I was like, cool, this feels good. Yeah. This feels right. Um, so yeah, after leaving Rinse, I think it was about six to nine months later, that's when I started at the BBC. But I didn't leave Rinse to go to the BBC, it just... Ah, yeah. see, this is what the streets don't know. <laughs> this is what the streets don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love. Well, do you know what? I think it's really important that whilst you was doing this, going for the BBC job, or not going for the BBC job, you was running Sidetracks and, like, literally... Like you mentioned, P-Money, um, Ed Sheeran's in there, Stormzy's in there. There's so many incredible artists that you as a part of their their journey and you help kickstart it with your um, marketing and consultancy company. So where the hell did PR and marketing come from? Because this girl <laughs> is just picking up accolades, <laughs> picking up skills. Like, Was this a conscious thing or? No. So I was writing about, um, so OGs, P-Money, Little D and Blacks. Yep. And all three of them have releases and they released them like on the same month one time. Okay. And I was writing about them for all the publications that I worked for. So I wrote about them for Live Magazine, for Rewire Magazine. I, I was even editor of a magazine called Life in Colour, once oh, wow. on Black Magazine. Like I was writing about them on all these publications. And then one day, um, I think it was Hattie Collins, she called me and she was like, how do I find P Money? And oh. I was like, it's just on the block in South, <laughs> in Forest Hill. She's like, yeah, because I really want to do a feature on him for Rewind, like a big feature. And I was like, I was, in my head, I was thinking, P would love this because he loves Rewind magazine. And then I was like, yeah, just come south. Like, just come for a still. Oh, wow. And then um, people would just come to for a still and they'd meet up with P Money and they'd do interviews. And then they'd call me and be like, oh, we need a, a press release. Oh. And a photo. So I'd call Jamal and Rashid and be like, uh, can you go take a picture of P Money, please? Yeah. Because... They, they, these people want a photo and yeah. they'd be like where's he and I'd be like in the block itself so <laughs> that you know they'd go and they'd take the pictures of little D blacks and P money and um 
then they'd all ask for a press release. Yeah. And because I was on the journalist side of things, I remember Kate Head from Stoke PR, big up her. Yeah. She always used to send me press releases for her artists. So I remember one day taking a Tinchy Strada press release and then swapping out all of Tinchy's information and putting P Money's information in. Wow. And then that was the P Money press release. Wow. <laughs> and shout out Kate, she knows I did this. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know any better in it. Um, so then I had press releases. And then obviously, you amend them and you adapt them and of you course. make them your own and you make them style the artist. But that's how I got the template of like what a press release should look like because I had so many from Stoke to PR. Wow. And so people started saying, oh, she's P Money's PR. She's Little D's PR. She's Black's PR. Oh my God. And then obviously Ed Sheeran, she's Ed Sheeran's PR. And then I did Random Impulse, EXO Man. Just all the guys that I yeah. knew that I was friends with would be like, oh, write me a press release or get my thing sent off to this person or that person. I'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'd just fire off emails and write up press releases and biographies for people. Like, I'm a writer. I can write yeah. your bio. I can write your life story like a book. Like, yeah. just do it. Get it into one page. Done. Here. Off you go. That's nuts. So everyone would be like, oh, she's the PR for these people. And again, didn't consciously know that that's what it was and mm. what I was until the Ed Sheeran project happened. And then Atlantic Records wanted to sign him. And they were like... Um, to me can you come in and explain like what you did here and can we get some sort of handover and we'll hand pay over. you for the handover and um, there was like can we get like the press report and the for, for, you know the PR that yeah. you did and the project management report and I was like okay cool so I put together a press report of all the press oh my that I'd got with all the links and everything and I had them anyway because anytime anything would, would get published I'd send it to Ed yeah. so I had it anyway because I was just on an organisation tip yeah. I had, had all that I had all the press releases saved on my laptop I had like everything was saved in its folders but yeah. just for my own sake and from the project management side of things it was all there too so I just literally was like here's the hard drive like and it was like we want to pay you you want to pay you and I was like it's fine it's my bridge and like take care of him like no. take it and I was like don't you want to stay on boards and like work the projects and I was like no way look this big building with all of you lot nah I'm all right like there's five of you there was I remember there was like um it was Ben Cook um there was um Ed um Howard there was Mark Mitchell, Jack Mellywish, like the the big dons yeah. was in this meeting and just little old me. And I was what, 19, 20 or something like that. Like I was young. That's Speaking, I don't want to work here. It's bare of you. Like it's, <laughs> it's a mad place. Like I'm going to flop Ed's career if I work here. Like nah. So they, they um, was adamant that they wanted to pay me though. Um, so I let them pay me. Wow. And it was like one of my first like proper, proper checks. It was like £1,200. <laughs> it was like I my mean, first like, you know, when you're that young, it's like, yeah. it was a big chunk of money for me. And then that was like my first um, proper like, m like moment where I thought, okay, you need to call it a PR company now because yeah. people are going to come to you for this service. And then they did. Warner called me and was like, we need the cheering treatment. And then they put me on a retainer um, and oh I did Clement Martha on the front line. I did Stushy. I did, yeah, I did quite a few acts. Oh and, then I, and then they employed me for, like properly to be a market manager for Wiley. Oh! Yeah. What? So that's where the marketing started. A... Like you, that, that's genuinely an accident. <laughs> yeah. I, like I, when you say it, I'm like, oh, she's just saying that because she, it, you know, she just doesn't want to. She's being humble. No, it was an accident. That's a like real they called accident. me. and was like, we need the insurance treatment for these guys. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just did what I did with them, innit? Like, get wow. do this, do that, do the other. I'll get you an ID magazine acoustic session. Get you on Dropout UK Live Freestyle. Yeah. Like there was, I was just to call my mates who run all these platforms and say, let's do this. Literally. And then all of a sudden, she had like a number one single with Blackheart, and I was like, right, dope. Like. And then they're like, look, Wiley's market manager's leaving. You should do Wiley. And I was like, Wiley? 
like <laughs> Wiley and I was like do you know what you don't have to tell me twice like come let's go that's a whole 360 but, especially as a lover of grime music yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nuts yeah and I knew that he didn't go to music videos so I just made it my own little like um I made it my own challenge yeah. to make sure that he turns up to all the music videos and I was just like game one let's do it like Sick. and uh but I did because I they made up my title at Warner there was oh, like, really? oh, your promotions coordinator. And it was like six month contract. So after the first six months, I was like, all right, bye guys. Thank you for having me. And I was like, what are you talking about? We're renewing another six months. I was like, oh, great. And that went on for like two years. And wow. then when they said about, do I want to do Wiley and be the, the product manager? I was like, no, because I knew that the job involved um, knowing every single department. Right. But obviously I had done a lot of work with Channel, aka Channel U, yep. Flavor TV, um, so I, I kind of knew a bit about the TV world. Yeah. And then I had obviously my own press company. So I knew about the press world. I was yeah. on radio with two yes. different stations. And like Jennifer Ivory from Warner was like, babe, you know this. Yeah. You actually know all this. Like, And I said, cool, let me go and speak to each department, the head of each department, because I need their backing if I'm going to yeah. do this. Like I need Jane Arfrey to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to support you with, with this radio yeah. journey. I, you know, I need Tom Dart to say, I'm going to support you with this TV journey. Like, I needed the people who were the within the the company in those positions to, to to just be aware that i don't know what i'm doing here entirely yeah. like i know i have contacts in all these places and i know how all these places navigate but i don't actually know what the job of the product manager is day to day because i haven't done it yeah. and um they was like it's fine we'll guide you through it so they guided me through it at warner they was brilliant at it um shout out sam stubbins because he was the person that brought me in there in the first place he now manages nao wow so him a great escape good guy <laughs> and yeah, so they, they kind of just, yeah held my hand through it at the beginning, but it was very easy to pick up. And then yeah. once I knew it, I just knew it. And then I had all the American roster. So I had Meat Mill, Waka Flocka Flame, um, Janelle Monet, Trey Songs, like... Damn, girl. Yeah, Wiz Khalifa. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're Wiz Khalifa. If you don't follow Cyan, just know that it is a Wiz Khalifa stan account on Instagram. It's a Taylor Gang or Die stan account. <laughs> So, yeah, I looked after those guys. And then um, Warner went through this big redundancy and okay, yeah. consultants go first. Damn. So my boss, Jen, was like, listen, you're about to get made redundant, but your roster in America have gone over to Atlantic and they're not actually working the records. And as a consultant, you can actually work across any Warner label. Oh. Why don't you go and have a conversation? So I went over there and I was like, look, I want to continue working these American acts. How do we make it work? And they was like, oh, we've actually just got to be in. And he's about to sign a whole lo new load of acts and we could do with a, a market manager, like, Great. come. So literally, Great. I went there on the Thursday, got the contracts on the Friday, signed it on the Monday, started working at Atlantic on the Tuesday. Mad. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love that. And then there we, I did um, Melissa Steele, her debut single. Oh, yes. Kisses for Breakfast. That was a top um, 10 which was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, did All About She as well. Yes, yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Selected. You're literally giving me throwbacks <laughs> to all the press junkets yeah. and all that kind of stuff because yeah. those... Oh, good times, man. Yeah. Good times. Launched uh, Jess Glynn Wow. Well. And uh, Charlie XCX. We, we had our first top 40, which was Boom Clap, which was number five. So I did that in my stint at Atlantic. And then I was like... I'm out, deuces. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's interesting because I, like, I know you, you know, you've you've worked in numerous labels, and we're going to talk about your own record label too. Um, but what is one thing you've learned about the music industry? Because, I mean, it, it as you mentioned, actually, even getting into the building at Warner, you named men. 
Mm. <laughs> like you named a lot of men there. Mm. And as a young black woman, they, these are young black women. These are three things that people are going to be like, she's too young or what does she know and all that kind of stuff. How, how did you navigate that? Do you know what? It was my superpower. And I was fortunate enough to work for people who understood that it was my superpower. Okay. Like I'm, I'm at Parlophone now and Jack and Mitch were the guys that were at Atlantic. Right. They went up to over to Parlophone to set up as president, co-president and general um, manager. Yeah. So I've always been fortunate enough to work with two people who understand that me being young, black and female is my power. And yeah. they know when to just be quiet in the room and let me own that space okay then i like, love that yeah like um, and i learned that about them from um when i was in atlantic records and we was working melissa still who was a young black woman mm -hmm. and she'd done a song with popcorn and she had to go to jamaica to do it and i was like uh we can let this little girl go to jamaica by herself to do a video of popcorn uh would you let your daughter do that yeah uh should we not send someone with her and they're like oh god yeah cool like go ahead and do what you wow. need to do so they understood that like i'm gonna do my due diligence yeah and these are things that you might not be thinking about just in busyness mm. but i am and so they just respected that and i've always said it like it's my superpower being these things i walk into companies all the time and tell them about my perspective as i'm gonna say young in inverted commas you're still young, a girl. young black woman like I, I let them know that you you do not know this you don't know this yeah and i very much so do and I'm here to tell you all about it. And it comes with a check attached to it because you're not getting right. this information for free. But also here are the reasons why you're failing because you're not in those spaces and you're not understanding those areas. So yeah. free up the budgets. And they, they always do because they know, they know how important it is to have young people, to have black people and to have women. Yeah. Without us, the world don't turn. Oh, come on, Don't Simon. turn. So they you know, tell them. they know it's a market that they need to understand and they need to get into. And if they can't be bothered to or don't know how to, I'll, don't worry, I'll do it for you. Yeah. That's, run me the budget. That's real. And always run the budget. Because, mm. yeah, these, these facts that you're dropping and gems that you're dropping don't come for free. No. I love that. I love that. Okay, do you know what I've realised as well? Your job is very desirable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very um, modern thing because people are like, yeah, I want to be a DJ presenter, but A&R in the daytime and go to gigs in the evening. Like <laughs> I've heard so many up and coming presenters say they want to live this life. Mm -hmm. Is it a re realistic job to have to be able to? I mean, these are two separately very big jobs, A&R and presenter, DJ, mm -hmm. personality. Like, is it realistic? It was until I became a mum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Self-inflicted because I just want to spend every minute with my son. Aww. And I think before, as you've heard throughout this conversation, I was really just coasting, doing fun things because I could. Yeah. And if you would have asked me, like, why was you doing all that? I wouldn't have been able to tell you probably just okay. because... I'm just going with the flow and just because I love grime and <laughs> but after I had a baby when asked why was I doing what I was doing it was like because baby needs shoes <laughs> <laughs> baby needs nappies like, I need to buy my son a house like the energy changed and, and what I wanted to do and what I was doing it for changed and that's when I started to go hang on a minute what are you doing mm. what are you actually doing what and what do you want to do and what makes you proud to be you and what's going to make your son proud and then some of the things that I was doing just the culture of it didn't really fit into that for example I can't go out on Tuesday I mean I can but I can't go out on Tuesday 
and do a DJ set and get absolutely wasted mm-hmm. and then do the school run in the morning. Right. You know, I could if I was forcing it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to yeah. do that. I want to yeah. do that. And there were times where I was getting back from gigs and my mum was looking after my son and I'd get back at like 7 a.m. And I'd walk in the house and he's just there smiling at me. <laughs> and I think, oh my God, my little babes. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm wasted. I've just come back in from the rave and he's awake, yeah. ready to play with mum. Yeah. And he's excited. He's woken up. There's mum. And I'm going to sleep. I hear that. This weekend is a write-off. I'm sleeping. Yeah. And it's like, that's not good, man. That's no good. Like, be present, you know? And I found that that whole, like, A&R, being in studio till 3, 4 a.m. and then coming home, like, wasted because you've been sitting around the room, everyone's been smoking in and you've been drinking to keep the vibes going. And that does not help me when I'm trying to live my everyday life with my son, going to DJ bookings in a week and getting wasted and then coming home and doing mm. a school run. Like, that does not help me. So... I just personally felt like, cool, this doesn't necessarily fit into who I am now that I, I have that. a child. Yeah. But before that point, mate, I was having a whale of a time doing it all and not really caring because I didn't have any responsibilities whatsoever. Right. So it's definitely viable and it definitely is as glitz and glam as it sounds a lot of the time. Yeah. It really is. Because you don't have anything else to do. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. not like you've got nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, this is your job, isn't it? So yeah. you make the most of it and you have a lot of fun with it. But when your job becomes being a mum, you might feel differently about it. I hear that. And I think that goes back to what you're saying about why there was a lot of men in the room. Because I'm, how old am I? 31. Mm. And I'm now going, do I want a career in the entertainment industry? Okay. Or do I want to go back to college? <laughs> Sign the UCAS form, get a login, okay. go to uni, learn something else <laughs> and then go down a whole next path for the next 20 years. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about what makes more sense for my lifestyle with my son. And if I want to have more children, mm. which I do, how does my lifestyle as a DJ, as an A&R, as a broadcaster, as all these things, how does that fit into that? Because the first time around, I was very lucky. I was very fortunate. Yeah. Next time around, I might not be so lucky and so fortunate. So... Do I need a job where I'm maybe not a consultant, where I'm on PAYE, where I can get maternity leave? Mm, you know, you start to you start... have to think about. Exactly. But until I had a child, like I said, weren't thinking about any of that stuff. I was having a whale of a time and the job was as glitz and glam as it sounded. And you know this because you're in it too. <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. It's, it, this is exactly why I called you a superwoman at the start of the, the chat because... Like you've been able to to juggle a lot, um, but I've I've got to say this to you, like literally on the pod, because you are such an inspiration to me and so many other women, because you have made it a possibility for us to be working mums in the media and music industry, and the reason why I say this is because I hadn't really seen it done. Mm-hmm. And when I remember I actually came to your house mm-hmm. and I saw you in your element, you'd finished radio and you mm-hmm. said, Rem, come. And I was like, okay, I'm going to your house. <laughs> and I saw you with Elijah and I saw you, I literally watched you balance it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I could have a baby. And please, the world, I just want to put this on record. Sign has been telling me to have a baby for years. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know why you're not big belly. <laughs> <laughs> soon come, soon come. <laughs> but you made me feel like, wow, she is killing it. And she has a beautiful son that she adores. And he's not, I don't even want to say the word, but like he hasn't been a hindrance mm. to you. However, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Maternity is not a thing in our industry. Mm-mm. We do not take time off. No. Or if we do, we are losing money. So what was your thought process during that period when you realised you're pregnant and you had to take, you had to, you literally had to take some time out? Well, so how the pregnancy even came about was when I finished at Atlantic, I was like, cool, I'm going to have some like YOLO years. Yeah. <laughs> and then six months later. <laughs> YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> six months later, there was a baby. So there was not a baby, but six months later, I was pregnant. Yeah. And I only had one radio show a week. That was Ooh. my only job. I didn't have any other job. So what had happened, actually, sorry, the part that I missed was when I when the redundancy thing happened, um, HMRC found me. Oh, and we're like, you've actually been working since you were 16 and you've never filed a tax return in your life. You, you owe us, I think it was something like 72 grand. Ah! Nah, my heart, <laughs> I cannot. And I had to set up um, instalments. Oh my God. So it took me about four years to pay off. Yeah. So that my whole time at Atlantic, I was paying off HMRC. Yeah. So that's why I quit, really, because right. I was like, right, I've paid off this now. I need to, I just want to breathe. Now you can live and, and make I just money wanna... again. Yeah. Yeah. So I had stopped everything and I'd stopped sidetracked as well it kind of calmed down at that point and PR was moving more into project management anyway it was was, was in a bit of a weird space for a period of time and I was kind of really only doing a couple of clients and I had one radio show a week and I had this baby and I was living at my mum's and I was like yeah you gotta sort it out Mm. you've really got to sort it out like you've got to get up and go out and make some money and it was interesting because when I went back to radio it was three months later. I'd written an article, first of all, and I remember writing that article. I wrote an article for Vice about being a mum in music. Yep. And I remember Elijah was, like, in my arm um, on my left leg and I was, like, holding him up and I was breastfeeding yeah. and I had the laptop on my right leg and I was typing the article oh my and gosh. I remember having a cup of tea to my sides and then having to, like, balance the laptop <laughs> with the baby to drink the tea. Life personified. Yeah, yeah, I remember it so clear. <laughs> And I'm thinking, this is so funny. I'm writing an article about what it's like being a mom in music whilst balancing like the baby and the laptop trying to write this article. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was going through like a lot in, mm. in my head about like, you know, like I cut off all my hair. I didn't, you know, like all oh, of yeah, that. I remember, remember that? I cut yeah. off all my hair and like I just had this whole like epiphany of like, oh, who am I? And what am I here to do? And what am I doing next? And yeah. everyone was like so surprised. That I came back to work after three months and I was like, listen, it's one radio show yeah. on a Wednesday night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. The baby's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. like, the baby sleeps, you know. Like it's yeah. night time. The baby's asleep. Like I can go and do my own thing. And I remember that being really challenging because everyone was like, "Oh, you're back. We didn't think you was gonna come back. We yeah. thought you, you know, that would be the end of you type thing." And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like it's a baby. Like I was, what are you like? What? Yeah. So it was so strange. And um, I, yeah, I do remember thinking, okay, I've got to get back, get get back in the game. And as I was thinking it, that's when Jack um and Mitch had hit me up to say. You know, we're going to go to Parlophone. We're going to launch there. What are you thinking? And I, the first thing I said was, obviously, I've got a baby. Yeah. And they were like, it's fine. Do flexible working. Wow. And, you know, you pick your time, your hours. This is a job that we want you to do. We trust you to just get the job done. Yeah. And I was like, okay, amazing. So what had happened was before I got pregnant, I had really built a name for myself as the person who delivers a job. Yeah. By any means necessary, I'll yeah. get the job done. So they trusted that we can give her this job while she's got this baby and she will get the job done. My reputation was so important. Yeah. It was so important that I had a reputation that 
she gets the job done. Yeah. Otherwise, they would never have given me that job and that flexibility. Wow. And since then, times have changed quite a lot. Like a lot of people who have had kids have managed to get that flexibility because people just understand the world's changing. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the pandemic and people working from home. Like you can't you can't tell me now I can't work from home. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Because you know that we can because yeah. for two years. Stop being <laughs> strange. It. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it was it was them doing that for me and then obviously the income there allowed me to then put Elijah into nursery which oh. allowed me to free up more hours to actually go and do more work for them That's which right. meant they was able to offer me a, a greater salary because I had more time for them and it so it was it was chicken and egg wasn't it it was yeah. like you need the job to afford the nursery and when you got the nursery you can do better at the job to get more money to then you know so it was yeah it was chicken and egg situation but it was definitely um it was definitely reputation that managed to see me through that, that period of time. That's so good. And your reputation continues to go on. I mean, just to list off a couple of the accolades, like, you know, you've you've launched programmes, one of which was with Julie Adenuga, One True Calling. You've had Floor 6 Music Academy, Next Step, which was in fact supported by the Mayor of London because they were like, yo, mm -hmm. she is freeing the people <laughs> and helping them get jobs. Like, it's just so wonderful to see. Um, two that I really want to pick out, is your record label, mm -hmm. Saint Music, mm -hmm. and your cookbook. Yes. These two things for me are just so empowering. Your message of just being a curator and supporting uh, new music, but also loving cooking for people. Listen, you need to go to Science House and cook up, <laughs> she'll cook you up some good food. I've experienced it myself. Um, yeah, these two things for me are really, really, really like, I can tell they're from your heart. So just talk me through those two things. It's funny when people talk about the label because I had never announced it ever. You I didn't. I don't know how people even know. It's online. It's online, Cyan. <laughs> it's online. Oh, Same music dear. is out there. I just wanted to like release records with a people from the Caribbean and b black women. Oh yes, honey. Because I feel like not a lot of people know how. Yeah. To work with black women musicians artists especially patois yeah so i really wanted to do that um so i signed alaka harley for an ep and version for an ep nice because it was like that's me in it like a bit of jamaica <laughs> and this UK. and just to point out your your record label is is it, how does it work with parlophone like yeah so it's it's, it's under parlophone it's under parlophone. yeah so Amazing. i mean there's two legs of it one leg is under parlophone for the artists that need like major backing and then yeah. one leg of it is under ada so artists who maybe just got a one-off single who okay. just want to put their single out and distribute it can come to that um Sick. to that leg so yeah but then the pandemic hit so it was like you can't look after artists in the caribbean when right. you can't travel to the caribbean and they can't travel here right. so it got put on hold but the plan was to announce you know when we sold a million records yeah then i would have announced state music listen but for some reason everyone just found out and then and now people ask me about it and i'm like shh don't tell anyone so nothing is a secret in this day and age like a, a, a quick google and i'm like raw business owner okay cool like <laughs> I, and i think that's the thing like people love celebrating you so regardless word's gonna get out on the street yeah like that's gonna happen um but also that's beautiful but Sian and her son. The book. The book. The book. How did that come about? Obviously, like I said, she can throw down. But it's one thing to, to just be a good cook and then, like, literally produce and self-publish. Was it self-publish? Yeah. Self-publish a cookbook. Huge deal. And to incorporate your son. That was so random, man. Lockdown, everyone was DJing on Instagram Live. 
and they so were true. on Clubhouse. And there was all these things happening. Yeah. And I just felt, am I supposed to DJ on Instagram Live? And am <laughs> no. I supposed to go on Clubhouse and be a moderator? No. And I just thought, no, I'm not <laughs> doing this. Like, And it was so much wrong with the world at that point as well. Yeah. Like, I remember Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I remember the actual pandemic. Like, there were so many things going wrong. And I was like, am I supposed to, like, beat my face and go on IG Live? Nope. I said, nah, like, this is me. You see me, I'm, I'm very rarely off-brand. Right. And I thought that would be off brand of me. <laughs> yeah, I, went, I get you. That's big off brand of me. I thought I can't do it. And so I, I actually had a hiatus from the internet for like, I think it was about three months during the first lockdown. Because um, I realised it was the first time I got to spend time with my child. Yeah. It was the first time I got to just spend time with my son uninterrupted. And w- I had bought my house in September. So we renovated, we I renovated yeah. October, moved in like beginning of November. Yeah. Christmas was December and the pandemic was March. So <laughs> we were so fresh in that house yeah. that it was like new house, you know, my child just finished nursery, you know, it's the first time I'm going to get to really spend time with him without any real interruptions. Yeah. So instead of doing IG Live and Clubhouse and obviously they were fun and people was having a wait of a time um i was like why don't i just focus on yeah. being present so i did and so obviously i had parlophone work to do on you know microsoft teams and zoom calls and stuff like that but i really centered breakfast lunch and dinner as elijah time oh that's so lovely so we was always making meals and that's what i was putting on instagram live and that's right. what i was tweeting about so people kept asking for recipes because we were getting wild with the re- with the with the with the meals because it was like why not like yeah. we're in, we're at home, and because I still had to go into the BBC once a week. There's a there used to be a co-op opposite the BBC, right. so I used to go in there and get ingredients, and that was my one shop for the week. Was oh when wow! I, I'd leave my house to go radio, go to that co-op, right. and then that's it. We're in now. We're not going out. Pandemic. Yeah, outside. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just buy outrageous things from this co-op, <laughs> and then we would just cook them. And people were like, "I need a recipe for this. I need a recipe for that." And then one day I thought, you know what? Let me give them a recipe. So I gave like a rice and peas recipe out. And then a couple of days later, there was just an influx of people sending me videos and pictures back of them having done the rice and peas. Wow. I was like, what? You're not actually really... Okay, so I put it on my story as like a highlight. And then I did another one. Yeah. And then another one, another one. And people was like really doing the meal. So I was like, right, you lot's actually serious. And then people started DMing me like, yo, my girl made me rice and peas. Like... (laughs) You need to throw up another recipe. Like, you need to do a book because, like, she threw it down. I ain't seen her throw it down like that. Wow. And I was like, okay. Like, right, regionally, they really feeling this this content. That's it. So I said, cool. Let me give you the recipes. But obviously, I don't know why. I can't just fling out the recipes. I had to just do a whole <laughs> entire book, which was silly, pardon me, because I wasn't allowed a photographer in the house. So I had to take all the pictures myself of the food. They look banging though. Mate, if you ever know what I was doing, I had to buy a ring light, I had to buy wow. a better iPhone so that I could have the proper like quality. I had to buy off Amazon loads of different like backdrop settings yeah. to make everything look like it was shot differently. Like I had to I had to go in and shout out Keaton Rich as well because he's a photographer but also yeah. a designer. So he was able to tell me the angle to take the pictures from. That's amazing. So that he could edit it. So like th- where there's a picture of like say prawns on the page, yeah, what you don't know is that that picture was taken 
from like I was stood on a chair and it was taken from the angle above, including a background, so that he could then wow. cut out the background and zoom in on the prawn and then put the text around it. Like wow. honestly, there were so much techers to it. So shout out Keaton for for talking me through that and teaching me to how to do that. But yeah, I had to take the pictures for it write up get it published Keaton did all the design for it so I was like back and forth sending in files and stuff yep. and it was literally yeah the two year lockdown like that was the, the two year pro- project and then they relaxed the restrictions for a bit and then I was like Keaton come and take some pictures of me and Lige so he came to the house and took some pictures of us to go in the book oh, I love um, it. and he already had some pictures of us anyway because like Keaton's a friend of mine so he's always around anyway with his camera yeah. Um. so yeah he, he put some pictures of us in there and then uh, yeah published the book my goodness see what i love about you and your journey is just you're not afraid to just try mm. and then you're just sick of it so <laughs> that's that then Thanks. <laughs> she's like let me try this oh yeah nailed it <laughs> like that's such a beautiful thing but it's just that you're you're just not afraid to step out and give it a go which is a beautiful thing and i feel like that's that's one thing that people always fear they don't know mm. They're scared of the unknown, whereas mm. you go against the unknown. Mm-hmm. You're just going to do it. So if is there anything that you feel like you've learned about yourself whilst working in the music and media industry? I've learned so much about myself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much about myself. Like, yeah, I think the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was I've learned that the industry made me come across as not a very nice person. Okay. Like... one of my mates who's like a work friend became a really good like close friend like personally yeah and that spends a lot of time with me and i i remember him going to me you are nothing like you are at work when you're in the house wow and i'm like what do you mean and he's like yeah you're just like complete different person at home wow and I, i really thought about it like it really like to the point where i had to like call him up and be like explain yeah like give me more intel on this and he's just like at home you're just really chill very slow very oh. endearing like just super relaxed and i'm like yeah because i'm at home and he's like nah it's just something different okay. like your guard is almost not there like you're almost like a massive marshmallow like a big softy wow. and i'm like but that's who i am that's how all my friends know me yeah. that's what they all know me to be and he's like nah like I was scared of you for a good couple of years. like That's honest. And yeah, so when I started to take that around to people, it was like, and I've, I've always known this, like the general consensus is that I'm a little bit scary. Yeah. And that, you know, they throw out all the, the typical words, aggressive, loud, this, that, the other, unapproachable. But my thing has always been, if you are told those things about me and you believe it, then you're someone that I don't want to meet anyway. Fair. If you're not going to give me a fair chance based on your actual experience with me, then I'm so glad that we didn't ever speak and that I didn't get to meet you. So I've never worried about the fact that people say that about me. Because when you get to know me, you see I'm not really any of those things, unless provoked. Yeah. And I get provoked a lot, so sometimes it comes out. <laughs> but <laughs> to, to hear that and to delve more into it and to really sit down and do some self-reflection and go, what is that and why is that? I realised that I had to be the hardest version of myself to cut through. Wow. Like, I had to make sure people know that don't play with me. Mm-hmm. Because if you play with me, I'm going to be not a very nice person. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make you feel some type of way. Verbally, I'm going to make, I'm going to read you down. Like, yeah. I'm going to make you feel horrible yeah. if you try and make me feel horrible. And that has meant that people hear about me and they hear that about me before they meet me and get to take me in. Yeah. And 
so when you do then sit with me and chill with me or if you've known me for as long as you've known me you know okay you come to stand south you see with Elijah and she's just a little marshmallow yeah <laughs> like this is just this is what it is and that that was not a good thing mm. that was not a good thing because I was like I don't want to leave the house and constantly roll up my sleeves but I just default do that and I didn't even realize I was doing it wow. like I'm, I've met this person four years ago and for four years they've experienced me at work and then more recently just started experiencing me in my own personal home setting yeah and they're just blown away by the fact that I'm two different people. That's crazy. And I thought, this is not good. This is not a good thing. But I also thought, if I go out there into this industry as a marshmallow, <laughs> I'm going to get eaten yes. or burned on the fire. <laughs> so <laughs> my sleeves are rolled up 24-7. So that that's not a good thing. And I thought about it because I was thinking, okay, surely there must be black women in the music industry who have done what I've done or come as far as I've come or come even further who are just marshmallows, just mm. soft and lovely and warm and all these things. And I've, I struggle right. to find one. And I think about the women who are in senior positions and I'm like, you lot are unfuckable with <laughs> You Facts. can't, do you get it? Like, you yeah. can't, like, prod Shah Grant. Yeah. Do you get yeah, it? You can't yeah, prod Jackie yeah, Davidson. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, like, you can't, do you get it? Kanye yeah. King, like, you can't nah. come at these women sideways. Yeah. Like, they're going to read you down. Like, they're going to, yeah. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? You won't know what's going on in their life because they're getting stuff done regardless. Tuh. Yeah. Like, you can't, do you get it? You can't, you can't come for, the, for these women. And I thought, rah, maybe that's a thing. And I still haven't really, like, got to, terms of it finalised it in my head like I'm not at a place of it yet but as far as I got with it was I looked at the women who I would consider successful black women in the industry and I thought you guys are people that no one can fuck with mm. and I look at the women who are softer and I say maybe you're where you are because you're soft mm. and there's, 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 that has to meet somewhere in my mind like because one of two things will happen I will say I don't like the fact that I have to roll up my seats every day and be a harder version of myself to get to senior levels or to be Sian Anderson in the industry. So I'm going to quit. Yeah. Or I'm going to be a marshmallow <laughs> and be happy for people to walk all over me to an extent and just stay in my lane and stay in the position that I'm in, which I also won't like. So yeah. then I'll quit. Yeah. So that's why I haven't been able to, you know, like I'm sounding very like no, it, here, there and everywhere right now. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress in my mind. But that's that's what the industry has done to me. It's made me appear this way to hundreds and thousands of people. <laughs> basically. I, 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 I totally get what you're saying, but I feel like it's not, like you said, it's not a bad thing. And it is a work in progress because we're still waiting for more black women in senior positions yes. to this day. Yeah. So it's like, you're allowed to be figuring out because there aren't that many to learn from. Mm. There's not that many that you can ask as mentors. Mm. So do you know what I mean? So mm. I'm like, hey, you are the mentor. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're happy to to watch you <laughs> work. <laughs> that is fine. And if, like you said, if they don't get you, bye. Yeah. Goodbye, friend. I'm well, not friend. But um, nah, I, oh my gosh. I, do you know how many questions I haven't asked you? <laughs> This is crazy. We need part two. But um, right, what we're going to do is we're going to end on the top tips because you just you just free the realness and I know you're about to free the realness right now. So, Cyan Anderson, can you please give us your top five tips to make it in the mainstream? Top five tips to make it in the mainstream. Uh, number one, I would say is, are you not entertained? Ooh. This is the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I will say I've managed to cut through all the things that 
we spoke about earlier by thinking to myself are you not entertained is this entertaining and is this going to entertain people because ultimately that is what this is yeah and unfortunately entertainment is not always nice Mm. the things that people are entertained by not always wholesome true so are you not entertained good one that's good uh second one definitely know your business like i said i got stung by hmrc yeah that wasn't fun as much as you want to be friends with all your peers and the influencers and the artists and you know carve your way you also need to be best friends with your lawyer yes. and your accountant your financial advisor you know those are the people that you really need to be friends with um the third one um be good at what you do okay good i would say i was what i felt was the best journalist i could be before i said okay cool i'm happy to be acknowledged as a pr okay and then i was in my opinion the best pr i could be yeah before i was happy to be recognized as a project product manager um marketing manager whatever term you want to use and I think that's important. Yeah. People often are like, oh, I want to be like you and I want to do all these things. And I'm like, don't be a jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. I genuinely have been here 15 years and I learned each one for a length of time. Like I did journalism three, four years. I did PR three, four years. I did marketing three, four years. I didn't just wake up and do them all. Yes. Like I really, really learned how to do this. And even with the radio stuff, it's like we did Rinse FM. We did Pirate Radio just as banter for years. And then we did it as produced shows for years yeah then i went to the bbc and i learned how to be a broadcaster like i'm a broadcaster now like and there's a big difference between a presenter and a broadcaster like you don't even know you you do know (laughs) (laughs) but like people who were coming to me saying i want to do all this stuff i'm like you don't even know like there's a big difference so try like please try and just learn how to be good at each job that you do um so that you're just not out here floating being mediocre at all of them because that that's not good either yeah um the fourth one I would say is prioritize your wellness. Oh I, gosh, yes. I'm able to do what I do now because I heavily prioritize my wellness and how I'm feeling. Um, I know what I need to do to defog my brain. I know that swimming is the thing that defogs my brain. Nice. I'm a water baby, <laughs> so swimming, jacuzzi, just anything water yeah. that defogs me. Long, long bath, like just anything water related. Um, so I, I make sure I prioritize those things. Walking you know drinking water like whatever the thing is that is going to make me feel better is a priority over anything that needs to be done yeah because if i'm not feeling good then i can't do any of it of course not yeah exactly. so i would say definitely just make sure that you're prioritizing your wellness because if you're not the best version of yourself then nothing else follows um and then finally i say be passionate yes i say be passionate like there's been times where i've not been passionate about mm. jobs and they've not gone down well hear that they've not gone down well man and they're they're regrets as well because i think why did i take that on and then i wasn't passionate about it yeah. and then now it's flopped and i feel like it was like one of my projects that i flopped basically definitely don't like that i don't like that and a lot of the time I, actually all of the time when i've taken on a project i'm passionate about it at the time yeah but then you don't always know what it's going to rear its head in a project yeah so yeah. sometimes the like the artist might t- 
turn and you might think, oh, you're like that. Mm. I didn't realise you was like that. Oh gosh. And now all of a sudden, I don't want to fight for you because your morals are all wrong. <laughs> and then straight <laughs> away, I'm like, I switch off. Yeah. And it's like the project can't move forward now because I've switched off because of the type of person that you are. And in those moments, I've learned now to say, let's part ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Because I'm not passionate about this anymore. And it's not going to be good for you or for me yeah. if we continue working together. So be passionate about what you do. And when you're not passionate, be vocal that you're not passionate anymore so that you just don't put yourself and other people through hell and waste a load of time. The things that you are most passionate about are the things that you're going to wake up every day and really fight for. And those are the things that are going to see you through. So I definitely say be passionate about what you do. Oh, girl, how are you going to go from tax to passion to well-being <laughs> to everything? Like you just nailed the top five tips. And this is why I'm so glad we had this conversation because you just have a wealth of knowledge. And that last one really resonates because you are passionate. You really, really do care about what you're doing, which I absolutely love. So, Sian Anderson, thank you so much for joining us on the mainstream. Thank you for having me. Um, let them know where they can hear you, where they can follow you. Yes. All that good stuff. So, I'm on BBC Radio One Extra, Fridays and Saturdays, 4 till 7. And Mondays, 9 till 11, if you want, like, a bit of dance and grime and drum and bass. And you can follow me at Sian Anderson on socials. I don't really post much, but I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I'll see you there. Just buy a cookbook and... Uh, uh, listen to her artists and listen to her shows and there's loads of things for you to do it's fine yes the cookbook is cyananderson.co.uk uh, that's where yes. you can get it good stuff good stuff thank you so much again love you girl love you too girl <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to the mainstream podcast with me Romel London please rate follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us at the mainstream UK and at Romel underscore London on Twitter and Instagram 